Welcome to Everything Is Up, a podcast about the real-life stories of people who have created extraordinary levels of success. These are conversations with people who are constantly striving to take things to the next level. And now, here's your host... Everything is up with Tamara. I'm your host, Tamara Hollerick. And joining me today are a couple of TCU grads we're super excited to have, Austin Patry and Sophia Karboski, um, both of them co-owners of a food company called Realzy, um, located kind of all over. You guys have been able to kind of launch this um, health food, um, I'm, I'm guessing, um, that's kind of your passion. I've done a little bit of research for both of you, and you both kind of have a little bit of a backstory on why the health, food, fitness industry is kind of a passion for you. So I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. Austin, let's start with you real quick. Um, I know you live in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and graduated from TCU. Uh, what year did you guys graduate? 2017. Nice. Okay. So real recent and both, um, Sophia, you're originally from Chicago, um, came to Texas and we're glad that you did, by the way. So you came to Texas to go to TCU. What made you pick TCU? That's a good, honestly, like, I feel like I did not know what I was doing when I was in high school and going to college. And I just had, I knew I wanted to get out of the Midwest and go somewhere kind of further and warmer. And, uh, um, I just had some friends who were older than me, a year older than me that both went to TCU and I visited them. And after I did, that was that. And I was looking for like a good business school too. And, um, TCU, I mean, literally had it all. So I was like, this is perfect. And once, yeah, once I went, I was like, I, this is where I want to go. <laughs> yeah. The campus, when anyone who I've ever talked to who has said they, they visited the campus, they're just like, I was hooked. It's such a beautiful campus. Um, kind of nestled down in kind of downtown, like the outskirts of downtown Fort Worth. So it's kind of our hidden little gem that we have here in Fort Worth, Texas. So we're excited. They're not quite so little and they're a little bit more um, on the map now since last year's football season. So, you know, it is what it is, but um, I'm glad you guys were here. So um, let's talk a little bit about your entrepreneurship and um, you guys met in an entrepreneur class. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, quick, fast friends. Did you guys just become quick, fast friends or was there kind of a, a backstory there on how you guys actually met? Yeah, I guess we were in, I mean, we already knew each other, but we became friends in class. We, um, we were partners for a prod or we were in a group in a project together. And that's kind of where we started talking about like our similar interests of both cooking and like home, like our family's home cooking and things like that um, being really into helpfulness as well. Yeah. So, um, chatting. Yeah. Yeah. So Sophia, you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit. We're losing every other couple of words there from you, but see if we can kind of maybe stabilize that out a little bit while you're working on that. Um, Austin, um, with Sophia, um, Sophia, your brother got sick. Um, And that was kind of the launching pad for you on that health and um, that health food side of things. Um, 
tell us what happened there. Can you guys hear me now? Is it, is it working? I, I don't it's know what good. to do, to be honest. It says I have four bars, so I'm not sure. Okay. That's better. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why it changed. I didn't do anything, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So when I was eight and my brother was three, he was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Um, and so with that, and like, since we had such a large age difference, like I was watching him all the time. Um, and, and so that when I was that age, I learned how to, we had to, um, you have to learn how to read the, not the ingredient label necessarily, but the macros, the nutrition label that, um, so that you're looking at the sugars and the carbs for the most part. So learned all about that. And then five years later, he was diagnosed with, I think it was five years later, he was diagnosed with celiac disease, which then then in turn, um, yeah, like a percentage of type one diabetics also are more prone to celiac. So that happened. And then with that, you learn how to read more of the nutrition label because you're looking for those ingredients that he can't have. It's not only wheat, it's like a few other things as well, a handful of other things. So that's when I started really learning more about that. And, and so I would say like, that's when I really started like learning how to read labels and, and just being aware of those things. And then fast forward to probably like high school is when I kind of started eating healthier and, and learning more about that personally, I would say. So Austin, so that kind of gives us a little bit of background with Sophia. Your family has a restaurant. Yes. They used to. They used to. Okay. Yeah. And that kind of goes into my story. Um, So growing up, I had a pretty unique upbringing in the fact that my mom is actually an astrologer. She does astrology as in like, you give her your birth time, birth date information, and she'll look at the planets and potentially predict your future or see trends, everything. And it's whether you believe it or not, it's a really interesting, unique upbringing. And I've, I've, she's nailed dates for me to, she even nailed down the date of when I met my wife. And she said that she'd be a little bit older and that she'd be into horses, which she did equestrian at TCU and was a year older, just crazy stuff. But anyway, she was doing that. She was also one of the original Southwest flight attendants. And my dad on the other side was born in France. And so it was a very unique upbringing. And my grandfather moved from France with my dad to be a chef at a restaurant called the Old Warsaw in Dallas, which is a famous kind of old school French restaurant. Yes, and is. then, and uh, I, I always had the entrepreneurial bug in me. I was selling seashells to my neighbors in Dallas and being like, hey, you guys can't get this here, but I got these in North Carolina and that'll be 50 cents a pop. So went, been doing all sorts of little things. And it was, in 2007, 2008, when my parents reopened the namesake restaurant that my grandparents had and originally retired called Patrice. And it was a fine dining, nice, small, intimate French restaurant. So I grew up cutting baguettes. Like after school, I was going to the restaurant and eating escargot with garlic butter and stuffed leeks with rack of lamb. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought that was normal. So that was kind of my my upbringing in the kitchen. And ironically, I remember to this day and everyone in my family jokes around about it, that I was washing dishes one day and I told them I will never be in the restaurant industry ever again because it was just so brutal. And I saw my parents go through it during the the financial crisis of 2007, 2008 after they closed it. And then ironically, Sophie and I met 2017 senior year and we started a restaurant. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I, you know, that comment of I will never kind of always comes back to bite you at some yeah. point or another in your life. Yeah, that I will never do. You almost always end up doing. So that's pretty ironic. Okay. So give us a little bit of background and the audience. Um, I know you guys had a food truck business first together, correct? Um, yeah. And then you guys have recently sold that and um but you had started Real Z before you guys actually exited the food truck business. Yes. Yeah, you're spot on. Okay. So what ha- how did you guys end up in a food truck business? Um, because that's super popular, especially down here in the South. It's like everybody yeah. does food trucks. So the food truck business. And then how did you end up in the leap to Real Z? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'm going to try to be concise and maybe I'll hand it off to Austin at some point. <laughs> this is basically, so this is the last six years um, from when, when we met is when we met. So we were in class together and we were, there was just the reason why Roland and Bolin started, which started as a food truck was because there, we felt like there was nothing near or on campus that we could go get that was healthy and delicious and that was quick. And we could walk to and be back to class like quickly. And and just through talking about that, our peers, our conversations and things like that, we decided we could probably do something on our own to fix this because that was our passion. And um, we just decided to put our heads together and, and solve that issue. And so we landed on acai bowls, which there were so many, there are, are so many TCU students from California that didn't have a good acai bowl spot. We were the first acai bowl focused establishment, I guess, in Fort Worth. Yeah. And so throughout, so our second semester, senior year, we started planning for this business and we got the idea. We, I mean, we talked to everyone, um, in food service that we could talk with to get their advice. And someone gave us the idea to start small and open a food truck because originally we were thinking like, we'll get a lease and, and we'll open a place like right next to TCU or something. And they were like, why don't you could start small with a food truck and, and, and flesh things out there. So that's how we decided to do a food truck. And so July, 2017, right after a month after, or I guess two months after graduating, we opened and we actually opened down the street from TCU in front of a gym, a permanent spot in front of Pop's gym on Collinsworth, like behind the car wash, behind the Panera bread. And um, the owner invited us to set up there because he wanted food for his clients. Um, and so it was, I mean, healthy food for his clients really and what we were serving. So it was great. And so we had a permanent spot down the street from TCU and we ran that for a year and we introduced, we had uh, smoothies and acai bowls to start. And we introduced avocado toast when it got a, a little bit colder in the winter and that stayed on the menu forever. Um, and, and yeah, so we opened that food truck. We ran it successfully for one full year. I think we took like a, we, we opened every day, like a restaurant. So we opened from, I don't know, I think eight to or something like that. And we, we had some employees, we were working in it. It was hot, hot, really. (laughs) July. Yeah. And every month besides like before months, we're like three months, maybe so hot. Um, it was great. I mean, it proved the concept, like our biggest customer base was TCU students. And then how it happened was like TCU would have food trucks come cater. We would go, they would have us come and, and, um, the lines of the students of the TCU students, we, cause they, they were following us on social media. And so we'd post that we were coming, even if it was like day of or day before the line would be like two blocks length down the street before we even pulled up. 
there'd be like a mac and cheese truck, like a hot dog truck. And then we would pull up and the line was like only for us. Um, funny. <laughs> and so they just, they just saw that they were like, I don't know what these guys are doing, but it looks like <laughs> these students want it. So that's how they kind of opened up the conversation. And we always kept in touch. Like we had great, great contacts at TCU that were always helpful, whether it was like professors in the business school or, um, or just like anyone like vice chancellors, things like that, who we always kept the conversation open with of partnering. And they brought up the idea of potentially opening up in this, in the rec center that just wasn't, um, wasn't hitting, like they just kind of wanted it. And so that's really how it got we pushed that idea once they brought it up. And that's how we ended up moving from food within one year of opening. Um, so at that point we closed the, uh, this is like July, 2018, we closed the food truck. And then in August, we opened up on campus at TCU and that started our whole business of opening up on college campuses, partnering with the campus or the food service contractor or the, or the university, um, and open up like on the campus and use their plans and have access healthy, um, nice, nice. So Austin, um, how did that trans? So here you are, TCU grads, not very far into having this food truck, <laughs> ends up being really successful. Um, being an entrepreneur is not the easiest thing on the planet by any means, right? It it is. I jokingly tell people, um, it it's it's great. You can work half days. You just have to figure out which 12 hours of that half day it's going to be, right? Because yeah, it is right. a nonstop and you're in it 24 seven. Um, if somebody doesn't show up to work, guess who the buck stops here, right? So yeah. <laughs> you end up going. So here you guys are, you know, business graduates um, with a successful business. And now you're going to sell and go a different and pivot, right? And pivoting post COVID. Um, it's interesting because you guys just didn't know any differently, right? I think that that's the beauty here is you really just didn't know any differently. Um, but in looking at it in retrospect, right? Looking back, is there something that you would say was a really big challenge that you didn't even realize was a big challenge? I think I think just the whole concept of having cafes and not having any restaurant experience to start. And to be clear, like we sold our food truck a year and a half after we opened it and we had brick and mortar cafes on these college campuses. So we were employing 150 staff members across the country. We had 10 locations in five states on college campuses and working with colleges was is a challenge. And it's not even mainly working with the university, but it's working with their third-party food operator who are multinational, huge companies often. So that was definitely a challenge. And the pivot to consumer packaged goods actually started during COVID. COVID was really, really challenging. I mean, as it was for everyone in the service industry, but we were the first ones to get hit being on college campuses and oh, our whole, all of our customers being students left the campus and we didn't even have an option to do takeout or delivery or anything. Our business went to zero when COVID yeah, And hit. that was literally within like 
two, three days, we realized this was happening, which yeah. is so, so insane. Like we didn't really know what happened until two weeks later when you finally like analyzed it in your head, you're like, Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, you guys don't know this, but I own probably the largest balloon decor company in the Metroplex. And oh, cool. so when COVID hit, we being in the hospitality industry, you guys yeah. being in the service industry, everything that happened, I mean, every balloon you probably saw at TCU was probably from my company. Okay. Oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> so pretty cool, right? Yeah. So, but instantly, overnight, just like that, everything died. And yeah. so we were at least able to pivot into, um, instead of B2B, we kind of went B2C and we started doing outdoor birthday parties. Like, But you guys yeah, didn't yeah, even yeah. have that option because there was nobody around. So is yeah. that what made you guys kind of pivot into the packaged goods to be able to send them out? Yeah. Austin, do you want to keep going on this part? or Sure. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, we were locked out of our own storefronts. Like I can't <laughs> express how crazy it was. We we couldn't even go in and get ingredients if we wanted to do something. So we were locked out. And at that time, just like you, I mean, we everyone backs against the wall. We said, what are we going to do? And so we ended up packaging all of our smoothie recipes into a single serve smoothie pouch. And within how... How many days was it, Sophia? Like 60 days or nine? Yeah, within maybe, yeah, six, six days. Four, yeah, 60 days, I would say. Yeah, within 60 days, we made a full pivot to where we had, in addition to the cafes, once they opened back up, we had a whole business of these single-serve frozen smoothie pouches that we were shipping across the country with insulation, dry ice, smoothie packages wow. where you can customize your whole order online and kind of build your own smoothie box. And we began shipping those out. And that was the first time we ever worked with like a consumer packaged goods. We didn't even know what CPG meant. And that was <laughs> yeah. all of yeah. a sudden. We didn't even know that word. Like, and we really wanted to launch fast once we decided to do it, like literally within a week after closing our stores. So we wanted to do it fast so that we could launch while people were still at home because mm -hmm. that we knew the online like food delivery platforms were like popping off. So we were like, let's try to launch. Cause you know, like you think I've during COVID you thought every next week things would be fine. Remember it was like, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, everything's going to be like back to normal, like in two weeks or something. And you just thought that every day. And then it just like took, some, it was just a really long time, but every year went by, you were like, really, are we still here? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's why we tried to launch fast. Um, and I also, sorry, keep going. Just, it was, that was just the only one. Yeah. And, and then we started launching that. And then the next step kind of organically was, well, what if a retailer in Fort Worth wanted to carry this? So we walked into some of those retailers and said, Hey, this is our product. Like you want to try it out. And we get, ended up getting connected to someone at central market, which was our first kind of big account for us. And we grew that company and looking back at it, we, grew it pretty quickly. We got brokers, everything involved. But then we realized, number one, that frozen logistics is incredibly difficult. Frozen consumer packaged good is, is just a really, really challenging business. And we didn't know anything better. And at all, go ahead, Sophia. We really realized it once we launched Nut Butter Filled Dates, which are now Realsy. We, we launched that product originally under the Roland and Bolin name. So we had the smoothie product, we grew that nationally. And then we launched another, the snacking product, the nut butter filled dates under that same brand name under Roland and Bolin. And 
I feel like that's when we really realized like this is just so much better. Like we just like we had a comparison right in front of us that we were operating. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Exactly. And we we realized we saw a lot of early traction with the nut butter filled dates. Way more. Yeah. And but at the same time, we we launched it so quickly and still like CPG was kind of a new industry for us. And we realized we needed to improve our margins. We need to do a lot of changes and overhauls to the product. So that's when we decided to rebrand. And at the same time, we got a, approached by our direct competitor for the cafes. And they wanted to buy some of our locations. And we ended up selling our TCU location. And it was a successful exit for us and gave us the opportunity to now focus on RealZ, do actually go forward and focus on that rebranded product. And we changed the packaging, the supply chain, the manufacturing, the recipes, everything about the product than from what it was originally launched under Roland and Bolin. Interesting. So you guys take this concept and idea um, pretty much right out of college. And here you guys are now a national brand um, with an online presence. I mean, that is a phenomenal story. Like, <laughs> like I, can't, I can't even tell you guys. I mean, I've been in business for 25 years. And that is like, when I saw your story, I was like, okay, I have got to have these guys on this podcast because this is really incredible that you guys, I mean, what an inspiring story. So what advice, right, would you give um, a TCU or for that matter, any college student mm -hmm. at this point that's sitting in a business class who has this fabulous idea, what bit of advice would you give them and what would you tell them to watch out for? Yeah, for sure. We actually did. We had our in-house student accelerator program for a year that we ran between so many student entrepreneurs, a lot of them from TCU, like asking us these questions. And um, my number one advice always is just to start doing something like physically. Um, like our senior year, something that was really helpful when we, I mean, we were actually starting our business. And so then when we were in another entrepreneurship class together, one of our professors said, how about you guys just like, don't come to class half the week, like half the classes, you guys just go out and do what you need to do to start your business. And the last five minutes, you can come and get feedback or just tell us what you were working on from the class. And that was super helpful because we did need to go out and do things like we needed to create recipes with ingredients. And like, you know, so I think rather than just like forcing yourself to sit down to write this like really long business plan that sucks and feels like a school project, potentially like definitely have a plan and like a goal and like for sure know that you're having a need that's being met that someone else hasn't done. But I think also just going out and like physically starting in some way and putting things together is, is really important and just taking it off of paper. You know, it's interesting that you say that I had a mentor, a business mentor and a business coach at one point who looked at me and he said, Tamara, imperfect action is still action. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what <laughs> It yeah. doesn't have to be perfect. I think that even in school, right? Sitting in a business class, I'm, I've decided to go back and get my master's in my fifties. It's insane, right? But sitting in this class, you know, I had this professor telling these kids, you know, you guys really need to sit down and write out a business plan. I said, yes, you do. 
But if you're, that's all you're doing, you're getting nowhere, right? right. Do something, right? That's going to move the needle forward. And the professor's not real happy with me right now because, you know, I am that 50 year old in class that doesn't shut up because you know, I'm, I'm like, that's great advice on paper. That does not work in practical application. Right. Because that's, I think what happens, right? Is we're sitting in a class and there's, a professor, love them to death, right? Never done, never had their own business ever. And I'm going like, you do not get it. Like that does yeah. not work. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, imperfect action, because I think we try to make it perfect before we try to, to step out there because we don't want to fail. Um, yeah, exactly. Failing forward is really, I think, how I have succeeded. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I've I've way made I've made way more mistakes. <laughs> than I wanted to along the way. Um, but when I look back, all of them have moved me forward. And yeah. And like, to that point, I'm not saying like, go out and like the first thing you do is buy a food truck, but you know what I mean? Just like, like, you know, like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a crazy expensive move either to start just even just like meeting with local professionals in this a similar field who might have feedback. Like that's something going out and doing something like, um, I think is really important. Yeah. Austin, what did, what kind of things would you warn someone about who wants to get out there and start a business? Yeah. And more applicable, well, this is applicable to everyone, but you mainly referenced it around like college students too. And I think just getting too comfortable is, is something that can really hold you back. Like, especially for college students, I think that time and this time is the best time in your life that you can start a company and just throw things on the board, throw things on the wall and copy and paste and try different things because you don't know what might land. And if something fails, it really is not a big deal. You don't have like most people who are undergrads in college, they don't have a family relying on them. They don't have kids relying on them, a mortgage and all these things that build up pressure. Yeah. And they don't have friends surrounded forward. with friends with nice salaries surrounding them yet. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, totally. It's <laughs> it's the Definitely. best time possible. And and it, you don't even have like just trying different things, whether it's even posting on social media, if you want to become an influencer, like all these different things you can try. And so to your question, the one thing holding people back, I think would be just the societal norms that mm -hmm. I have to go get a corporate job and I have to do what my friends are doing. But that is absolutely not the case. You have to take a chance. You know, it's really funny that you say it like that. Um, I was probably in my mid 20s and I had decided I was going to go into selling insurance and I was going to be in a very male dominated 50 year old into like males yeah. over the age of 50 white Caucasian that's that industry and here I was this 27 year old white girl that was going to go out there and sell yeah. insurance and I was going to kick butt what was interesting my mom every single day Tamara you need to go get a real job Tamara go get a real job wow fast forward you know 15 years later and I'm like one of the top producers for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas my mom walks into my office one day and she says I'm so glad you didn't get a real job I mean <laughs> oh my it's funny because yeah. that is the pressure that I think a lot of people who have that entrepreneurial bug, they struggle with. And I'm glad you brought that up because you will hear more people tell you, go get a real job, right? Who's to say this isn't a real job? 
right? So I'm really glad that you brought that up. So I have a really quick question for you guys. I've kind of kept you guys um, and I've really enjoyed having you guys here. Um, question to both of you. If you had to write a book today, <laughs> what would the title of the book be and what would it be about? My gut reaction was similar to what we just said. Do do it now. Do everything and do it now. I love it. Yeah, that's the title. And it's it, the title kind of speaks for itself. Like sure. just try anything and everything, see what works and do it now. I love it. How about you, Sophia? I feel like I would write a, a memoir. Like I recently wrote on LinkedIn, a long story about what happened, like the whole story with selling Roland and, and like that whole transition. And as I was going, I mean, like it was like pages in length, like a LinkedIn article. And I could have wrote I was saying I probably could have written a book about the things we've been through just because there's, there's been, and it would be similar at the end of the day about a similar to like almost what Austin's book would be about, like the lessons that we've learned and the thing, the funniest things we've been through so that maybe people don't get discouraged when they hear like we were driving a food truck around Fort Worth that would get unhitched from its, from its truck <laughs> and swinging right and left. Like just the craziest, we had the literally the craziest stories and like you see this, I mean, successful, however you measure that business on the outside. But like we were, I mean, our first full year plus we were covered, we were completely sweaty, like covered in food, like every single day. Like, it, so I'm, there's just, yeah, something I would probably write a memoir of just everything we've been through and how our businesses have transitioned. Um, you know, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because almost every successful business person or success is relevant, right? Because it's relevant to that per particular person. But when you look at that perception of what people look at and go, yeah, they were born with a silver spoon or they have it all, or, you know, they got lucky. Um, you, how many times will you hear that as you guys get a little bit older? It's like, yeah, you guys were in the right place at the right time. You got lucky. No, you didn't get lucky. You worked your asses off to get where you are right now. And I think a lot of people, um, there's that jealousy of they kind of want, but don't want to do what it's going to take to get to the level that you're at. And, um, you know, as, as I listen to the two of you guys talk about everything that you have been through and done and the crazy stories, um, those are the things that help propel you forward, right? Because you're not going to be defeated by a truck that's swinging left to right. Like I am not going to be defeated by that, you know? <laughs> so, um, I am so, I have to tell you guys, like, I am so proud of you guys. Um, when I saw your story, I was like, this is incredibly impressive. Um, as an entrepreneur myself, and I'm a serial entrepreneur because I have three different companies. Um, yeah, I'm awesome. It's crazy. I tell people all the time, own your own business. Absolutely. If you own two, you're crazy. But three, you're just flat. Yeah, a year ago, three yeah. for us, you because we were like, we were ready to, we were to focus on one. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's hard. Yeah, for sure. 
It's really hard. And so um, I just as a serial entrepreneur and a fellow entrepreneur for you guys, I have to tell you, I am so proud. You guys are the epitome of what um, the business community is hoping comes up in your generation um, and kind of takes the, the reins from us and kind of keeps moving things forward. So I can't tell you how um, proud I am and how grateful I am that you guys took the time to be on the show and be able to tell your story and really kind of help. We are um, really, I cannot wait to see where the two of you guys take this and where you guys go from here. So um, I just want to say thank you again. So thank you, Austin, Patry, and Sophia Karboski with RealZ. I hope, um, where can our audience um, find you guys? So we're most active on Instagram at EatRealZ and then also on TikTok at EatRealZ. And if you want to follow us personally too, my Instagram's at Scarbo, S-K-A-R-B-O. And Austin, do you want to mention yours? Yeah, I'm at Austin Daniel Petrie. And you can buy our websites, eatrealsy.com. So you can buy products direct to consumer. We'll ship it right to your doorstep or locally in the Texas area where it's sold at Central Markets. And lots of other retailers nationally too. So just use yeah. that store locator on our website to see where it's sold. All right. So you guys heard it from Austin and Sophia. It's eatrealz.com. And thank you both again so much. I hope you guys and wish you the most success ever. Congratulations and stay in touch with us, please. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Everything is Up. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And remember, everything is up. Thank you.